When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is episode 32 of Flixwatcher podcast. As always, I'm Helen. And I'm Kobe. On this episode of Flixwatcher, we're talking about prophecy, which is all about angels with the unangelic Adam from Fixer International and potentially angelic Michelle from Hello Magazine. Like what you hear? Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and visit the website FlixWatcher.tv for full listings about this particular show. All films featured in the podcast were available to stream on Netflix UK at the time of recording and please be aware there will be spoilers and some language that may offend. Do you want a professional sounding podcast as professional as Flixwasher Pod? If you do, we recommend that you check out GL Productions. They're responsible for our editing and production. They're also going to give you a welcome package, 10% discount. If you're interested, email podcast at glpro.co.uk. Send them the message that Flixwasher Pod sent you and they'll give you 10% off your first package. Hello and welcome to this edition of Flix Watch Pod. And today we are joined by Michelle and Adam. Do you want to say hello and uh, introduce yourselves? Hello. Hello. I'm not Michelle. My name is Adam Farina and I am Managing Director of Fixer International and I get to work across a spectrum of uh, entertainment and entertainment media events. So I work with film and comic cons. I work with a bunch of different brands that everyone will have seen and experienced and it's a pleasure to do so. Hi, I'm Michelle Johnson. I'm a film journalist with Hello Magazine and uh, have no Adam through working with a few of his Comic-Cons. Well, with Star- Destination Star Trek, where I got to live out my inner geek. And yeah, thank you, you for having fantastic. us. Oh, what, what does that mean? Live um, out your inner geek? I got just... to live out my inner geek by hosting a few of the stage talks. So got to interview Christopher Lloyd and the two Daxes and was the filling in a Dax sandwich, which, you know, which which has context. It has, has context. <laughs> it's not it's very not little. Just, yes, but no, Michelle. Jackies will know. Yeah, no, no Michelle did a fantastic <laughs> job doing um moderator work. And of course, we're talking Christopher Lloyd from Back to the Future. Oh yes, I believe oh, at yes. that particular point he was a Klingon in Star Trek Three. He one of the movies. Yeah, Star Trek Three, I think. And yeah. Well, the latest, the reboot, the JJ Abrams no, one. No, 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 no one of the classics. Oh really? Yeah, he's um brilliant but again he's always known as see this is the unfair thing christopher lloyd is known predominantly as doc brown but he was he's been in clue he's mm-hmm. been in one floor with the cuckoo's nest if you miss the adams family if you miss the adams family i will regret it for the rest of my life but i won't because i'll just say it now and yeah he's uh he's a legend and, and that's how michelle and i know each other um, as outside of all the other fantastic things we do that you know people should christopher lloyd brought them together that's a fantastic it's very story. romantic isn't yeah, it yeah. In a way, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> yes yeah, a pleasure to be here <laughs> so we're here talking about your film choice adam yes. which is a which prophecy is, yes it is it's the prophecy star oh, is it the prophecy don't ever forget the the, don't, the 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 changes do you remember in blockbuster video when you used to try and find a film and you never knew if they catalogued it the or straight into the the noun or whatever it was yes yeah, so it's the prophecy which is a 1995 it says according to andy b fancy thriller but it's not it's definitely horror it's definitely horror and um, yes that's my choice and can you give us a synopsis as to what happens? I can do. So basically, it's the best angel film anyone will ever see. It's basically about the war between heaven and hell, and someone else throws their hat into the into the circle and creates a third 
army, essentially, or wants to create a third army, which is Christopher Walken, who plays the Archangel Gabriel. And the only way that they can do it, or the only way that he can do it, is by going down to Earth, taking human form, and collecting a very terrible soul. And the and he's got to go up against the Archangel Michael, who is God's homeboy, and it's expertly played by Eric Stoltz. On the flip side, he's got the very human Elias Kataeus, and that's how you pronounce his name. Should you ever, you know, read the uh, the the credits, the credits on uh, on on Netflix, who is a sort of a, a fallen priest as such, who is now a police officer, and it's just you know whatever people have in terms of opinions on the story and how it plays out, Acts 1, 2, 3, and 4, it is definitive in terms of how angels are not seen as little children cherubs and, you know, sort of a wonderful sort of benevolent beings. They are what angels were supposed to be, which is, you know, the arbiters of God's word. And it's just very dark and has amazing performances in it. And Viggo Mortensen is the definitive devil. And why did you choose it for us to talk about today? I saw this film... Actually, thinking back, I saw this film originally. It must have been originally in the nineties, but the but the sort of the mid to late nineties. It came out in nineteen ninety five. But the way that Miramax and Harvey Weinstein sort of produced and filmed it was is that it was it was actually shot and edited over a period of a year or two years. So it came out around the same time as Pulp Fiction. Yeah. So there was all you know Miramax was was on a roll and it was you know making all these amazing films which had a lot of backstory and back character to it. And I saw it through a very good friend of mine. I would have never seen it if it hadn't been for Simon Williams, who is one of the two impresarios of the Big About Film Quiz, which everyone should go to in London. And the other, his partner in crime is Lee J. Bannister. And, and Simon and I have been friends since about 1995. And he, he sort of introduced me to these really weird and very cool movies like Warlock and Nightbreed and um, just these movies that were just, you know, you could watch it and go, wow, that's not a traditional slasher or gory horror film. That's actually really intelligent and really cool. And so I, I got introduced to it and just really loved the idea that angels weren't nice, Yeah, that they were dark characters, that they were old biblical stories. Do you remember that scene in Ghostbusters where Winston Zedmore played by Ernie Hudson and Ray Stance played by Dan Aykroyd are kind of cruising along and they're like, you know, the yeah. dead will rise from the grave and it's all going to be Old Testament. Yeah, dogs and cats getting on. Yeah, exactly. Dogs <laughs> getting on. Mass hysteria, yeah. you know, and, and this is it. This is, I mean, the prophecy, you know, unfortunately, and I'll put my hand to heart to this, was, was later followed by sequels which didn't do the original justice. But what had happened was that Miramax had found a nugget in the way that the narrative worked. Not so much the story because it does have a bit of a convoluted, you know, sort of start and stop to it. But it was just the, the lines in it are incredible. And I don't want to give away too much because you should watch it and then re-listen to this. But there are things in there which are possibly the most threatening, the most poignant lines that you could give to a character that is essentially older than time and really, really quite, quite sort of devastating, quite intimidating. The character played by uh, Christopher Walken is obviously the Archangel Gabriel. And he is. Can I swear on this? Yeah, you want to fuck with him, basically. He he is. Wait, no, at no point have I ever thought I want to fuck with Chris. He's Walken not the guy that you want to pick film. a fight with. And he so perfectly that. cast. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And even with the jet black hair, and yeah. even then, I, mean, I think a lot of people. In fact, there's a, there's a, there's a shout out I should give because you know Adam Goldberg, who plays a pet. That's what they call them. They're pets. And again, you'll have to watch the movie to find out. But he is really. He, he doesn't even score on the on the on the cast list mm. because you've got Amanda Plummer plays a pet. You've got Christopher Walken, who plays the Archangel Gabriel. Eric Stoltz, who plays the Archangel Michael. You've got Alaska Teus, who plays Thomas, who is, again, just such a great actor. He did another Angel film with Paul Hogan called Almost an Angel, which is not <laughs> anything like this. Also, there's there's another actor who, again, I, I don't know if you've, anyone who listens is a fan of Seven, but I always say that the, the coroners are always kind of an underground, uh, you know, sort of silent boost to, to these kind of movies and there's a there's a character called joseph who's the coroner but played by steve hitner who was in ghostbusters 2 yes, yes yes is is he also he looks so much like the guy from Alan mcbill in this film i can't remember Alan mcbill. i, can't remember. I no, wish no. i'd wikipedia this i'm just kidding What's uh, <laughs> no, and, and he plays it but he plays again the character he's only got a few short scenes and it, and it just knocks it just knocks it up to a level where he's unbelieving sarcastic 
but it creates, you know, the only- And other, has some of the best lines. Absolutely. I, I just love the one about the hermaphrodite stuff and the way he <laughs> executes it. But there's also, I mean, kindred to that is just that, you know what, it's fallen out of my head. There's the coroner in Seven, yeah. played by the same actor who is the barbecue sort of businessman in House of Cards. And again, short scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, I wish I could figure out the name right now. But again, there are these little sort of nuanced characters that are just play to the bigger picture. And again, the storyline does suffer, but I, I love the fact that, uh, you know, Simon recommended it to me. And it's been and one of my thought you, And you thought you'd share with the rest of us here? And the rest I, of the And I'm very privileged to, yes, with such a great podcast, yeah. Absolutely. Michelle, what, do you, what, what are your thoughts on it? Have you seen it before? I, I saw it. I have a habit of doing marathons, as we mentioned earlier, whether that's a director and watching everything they've ever done or an actor and watching everything I can get my hands on. Shortly after the last Lord of the Rings, when I was, you know, in need of more, long before The Hobbit was a sad blink on the horizon, I had a Viggo Mortensen marathon and stumbled across the prophecy. I forgot about it entirely. But yeah, literally watched it then for Viggo's Lucifer. And that is the thing that stands out to me most. I had no idea this was 95. While I was watching it, I didn't bother to Wikipedia it, to be totally honest. I, it was so 80s. I had no idea. It's the most insane film I think I may have, one of the most insane films I think I've ever seen, which is not a detriment at all. But the, there is so much that does not stand the test of time. Like the special effects are awful. Yeah, when they go into that cave, for example, and the angels oh are. God. Absolutely. And it, it reminds me of what they wanted to, I'm, I'm trying to remember when, when did Gary Oldman's Dracula come out? 92. Uh, 92. So it was ever so slightly early. Yes, that was almost, yes, 91, 92. And there are moments when at the beginning where you see him fighting and there's all the, you know, sort of Vlad the Impaler kind of uh, sort of CGI, well, attempted CGI. I mean, I don't know what it's called now. I know there's the difference between visual effects and special effects. But I got that feel that that's what they wanted to create. <laughs> and, and didn't. And didn't. <laughs> but it was still very good, though. Still very good. In this film, you mean? Yes. Okay. Yes, yeah. Oh, we can't afford Dracula. That's a whole lot. The sequels get worse. (laughs) Fabulously worse. (laughs) Fabulous. There's uh, guys we had on our podcast who watch the franchise detectives. This should be one for them. I think they might get something out of this one. So they watched like Universal Soldier, but they watched the first one all the way through to Universal Soldier 6. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's good, guys. Yeah, to the the bitter end, guys. Yeah, you should maybe put this on your list. There is is only five in total, so it might be quite a short run for them. But it does feel like about 17. By the time you get Correct. to number three and four. See, I, I see this is the thing and, and um, sort of, you know, when you watch one, should you watch the rest? And I remember no. watching the first few minutes of the, of the second one, and, you know, sort of but Christopher Walken gets comes back because he's, the, you know, the sort of the main name to it. And just nothing anywhere near as cool as the first one. And so it just goes. <laughs> and, that's it. and then they brought in Eric Roberts as as Michael, which, you know. That's the second time Eric Stoltz has been recast as a... Was he Michael? Was he Simon? I thought it was he... Was he oh, not no, no, Simon? No, that's right. Sorry. I've been saying... Sexy Michael Simon. Is yeah. it no, Simon? Yes, okay. It is. Sorry. All right. Well, so rewind. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so, no, not the Archangel Michael. Apologies. Yes. Archangel Simon. Yeah. No. And then and then that's right. Eric Roberts came in. See, that's a mind wipe now completely. It is crazy how quickly this film does that to you. <laughs> yeah. But what, it raises a... your mind? Yes. There's a lot to it's think about. It gives the audience a lot of credit. Yeah. And even though I, you know, watched it last night and I've literally got notes in front of me, once you get into what the most important thing about the movie is, which is the narrative aspect of it, it just creates this sort of it changes the way you think, you know, who 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 here has watched Nicolas Cage in City of Angels? Mm. Yes. I so, can't remember. That, that, <laughs> see, that's the thing. You you become really sort of it's almost like Game of Thrones. It's like you don't really know the names anymore. You're like, well, that one with the, you know short one or that one with the hair or that one with whatever and it honestly it's a really yeah to keep in touch with all these difficult angel names like simon and michael uh, <laughs> wasn't john travolta an angel called michael in the film yes he was and <laughs> yes he was. my god now we're really going back i'm not i've not seen the it i just seen it's like with the it's like with angel the paul festive. hogan one i just remember seeing the images on the vhs cover or the dvd covers and just thinking nah yeah that's it, not for me <laughs> and this was the, uh, really the only one in memory that changed the way that i thought that this particular kind of i don't even know it's, if it's mythology it's more religion changed the way that people i think should view angels so if you're saying if this film didn't come then i know dogma isn't are they angels in dogma yes they're they are, angels yeah. Yeah. yeah 
So this, if this didn't happen, then we couldn't have had dogma. Dog, do, well, saying that, I think dogma would have had a, ver a very firm foundation. Dogma has a very firm foundation to be able to sort of have that kind of a movie. If it didn't happen, you know, Kevin Smith, I think, is, is you know, a genius anyway. He's, he's had his, you know, highs and lows. But, I mean, Alan Rickman is the Metatron. Mm. Mm. And then you've got, you know, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck as... Again, not Loki mine. and Bartleby. There, thank you. See, where were you when I needed Michael and Simon? Oh no, wait, you were exactly there. Just let me run off. Um, but honestly, they, you know, but that's another refreshing take on what if you were to apply the real world element of how angels can be described and how they can play their role in films. Ironically, it makes me think of how Avengers are played, crossed with say a movie like Unbreakable. So superheroes in kind of the the sort of the big actually sense actually the real life versions if you were to see them every single day yeah would probably be you know bruce willis in or Samuel, yeah. exactly Samuel yeah. jackson would be Glassman or mr glass yeah so this is this is what that movie really brings to the table and which is why it's very watchable helen what are your thoughts on prophecy? i wanted to hear your first because <laughs> <laughs> why do you want to hear mine first yeah because obviously i mean it's build sort of supernatural horror yeah. science fiction but i guess it tends so complete, to go down more the horror route completely outside of my yeah. normal sphere of influence i got reaction was not a bigger fan of it i was really intrigued because christopher walken amanda Plummer, eric stoltz always makes me laugh when he's on screen because i just keep on thinking <laughs> you fucked up back to the future mate. <laughs> <laughs> so every time i see him i can't go ah oh, that's at least you're doing some work mate Adam Goldberg is always a pleasure to hear his voice when I see him on screen. Mm. Uh, so Even Private Ryan, honestly, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he carries it with whatever character he's in. So I always enjoy seeing those characters on screen. I didn't really get so I, this is one cooler thing about doing the podcast, and it's happened in previous episodes where people explain the plot to me in a way that makes more <laughs> sense to me than rather, actually watching the film. Yeah, because when I was watching, I was kind of going, "And what is yeah. happening?" Now? Yeah. So that's quite cool, actually, that you've unpicked it yeah. for me. That and that how it works. I do like, I just like, the, I, I like the people in it more than I like mm. the film yes. going on around it. And things, it kind of reminded me of an X-Files light in a way. Some, there's some X-Files stories which I thought had more punch to it yes. than, than what's been in the prophecy. So I'd rather go back and watch some X-Files, especially some of the... Um, the earlier ones, really. Yeah, some of the earlier ones, there's some arc episodes, and it involves some people, some Native Americans, which kind of gets really creepy yeah. in some of the earlier yes. episodes as well. It's funny, actually, that you said that, and you mentioned it when you kind of some initial initial notes but i never saw the x-files thing until you mentioned it yeah and now i think the prophecy would have been really strong as a tv show okay if the yes. film itself i think it yes. would have made more sense you could have really gone in depth in these perverse characters and it's the really dark things oh, oh. Ooh. it's funny you mention that because i think when i first watched that i had no idea about the comic series preacher and after reading Preacher... Dominic, what's his face? Dominic... Um, oh, yeah. Cooper. Cooper, yes. He was a lovely fellow, by the way. Met him in Texas. Um, Clang. You know, just, just, <laughs> just, just name dropping there <laughs> and being like, high five. No, but honestly, when, you know, sort of very brief conversation, but, you know, he, 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 there was a lot of pressure on him, I think, at the time to make Preacher work because it was starting to draw away from the source material. And if anyone's seen or anyone's read Preacher, you would immediately identify with prophecy. Right. With the prophecy. Just, you know, the angel story in the back arc of Genesis on the back arc of, you know, a few other interlocking things that bring it down to earth. Prophecy would have been an amazing television series. And I think it would have been much better to expand the universe that way than, than the movies. Mm. Preacher, you know, did that, I think, very well in the Amazon uh, Prime show, but it, it lacked the substance that I think the comic series had. And that was the interlocking thing for everything. Are we allowed to pimp Amazon Prime? <laughs> We can talk about them, but we're, 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 no. did, yeah. you know, we're, we're that's you know, how you watch this. That's, that's, that's the um, no Netflix, honestly, though, is <laughs> you know, right? just you saying, don't have to pander to it. It's all right, no, no, Helen, so, they're not listening, yeah. So, Helen, what, what do you what are your thoughts then? Were my, well, were my comments substantial enough for you? Yeah, I mean, it's always nice to hear how a non horror fan feels about a horror film, but I, I was also surprised that it was made in 1995 because it looks a lot older. A lot older. Mm. Or is it that Christopher Walken looks very, very young? Well, he, you know, if you're talking about kind of release, this is only a year after, in theory, after Port Fiction. Fiction, really. Yeah. I mean, he kind of looks the same. I mean, he's he's generally watchable in pretty much anything because, you know, he gives everything to the part. And as a curious sort of factor, seeing El Elias Cotillas with hair, which is basically what I noticed throughout the whole film, I just kept looking and going, 
So that's what he looked like with hair. So I don't know. I, Who I is he? Which, he's yeah. really famous. Is he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's Ops. been in. He's been in loads of films, but I've never I seen him with him. with that so hair. Looks he real. Been, I mean, honestly, he was he, in the Thin Red Line. He, he was in Crash. His he's been in loads of TV series as well. He's also favorited a tweet of mine. If anyone ever wants <laughs> to find that out, I think I'm, he, I'm I think at he's Mr. great. Fancy Pants 2K. If anyone wants to never see anything that I do, I um, kept on thinking, is this. Is this John Ham, John, John Ham's brother or something weird like but that? The reason you're not recognising him because he he's, doesn't have any hair anymore. He's, hair. he's not had hair for a long, long time, okay. and his face is so recognisable without the hair. So, and also obviously Virginia Madison, who is who's great, yes. and obviously I'm going to call him Vigo. I'll you know, the, the cast is great, and it oh, really. Sure. It okay. really is oh surprising that the film's not a reflection of that. So we've just pulled up. We've just pulled up pictures of, of, of who he is. Can I, can I go through his, his filmography very Please briefly? do, yeah. All right. So he's Casey Jones in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in 1990. Oh, no way. Yeah, no. The Thin Red Line, The Curious <laughs> Case of Benjamin Button, Let Me In, Shooter, Shutter Island, Collateral Damage, Some Kind of Wonderful with the wonderful Leah Thompson. Haunting she in Connecticut. Do you recognise him now without, without the hair? He's such a background actor. Um, Most actors in Hollywood... Do the silver fox thing. They look young and lovely, and then they get better and better and better. With the greatest of respect to Elias Cateus, he is a good-looking man. He has not silver foxed. Let's pick it. You see, I love, I love the vulnerable. I think he's like a vulnerable-looking Harrison Ford. Because Holy if you look shit. at him, yeah. Jones. you know, if you look at two sides of his face, yeah. you know, like you do with Harrison Ford, one side of Harrison Ford's face always smiles. The other <laughs> one is always frowny. Whereas it's kind of the same thing if you were to do the same with. Elias Cateus picture. And he's brilliant, but I think Helen picks up on an amazing point. The one thing that we haven't discussed, which is Vigo. I think the performance that makes the whole film is Vigo Mortensen. It's, I think, the most gut-wrenching, best performance of the devil. He is wonderfully chilling. And the way that he executes lines. And, and again, people will have to watch the movie up until almost all the way to the end, but he just owns it and there is such a threatening manner to him especially in the last scene which he just says something very simply and i'm sure that people will be able to figure out which one it is when they watch it and yeah it's just well, we're we giving we give spoilers all the way through mate Don't worry okay about, all right. yeah. well he's he says he's basically sort of he's he's I one love you more than jesus <laughs> well that that's the bit that gets do that made again, do that again do i love you more than jesus see that's exactly how he says it and but he's he's talking to uh to thomas last katias as a uh, character and um, right at the very end, they have this wonderful scene where he's kind of climbing on his back and he's sort of very, he's feeling him and he's sort of over him and he's massively intimidating. And then there's the, the, the end scene where, you know, Christopher Walken, he has to die to come back in the second one, just to give it away. But he says something to, to Thomas and he's talking previously to him about how he was a scared little child and he knows that he was turning the, you know, the lights off at night and wondering what was under his bed and, and everything else, and he just he just squares up to him, and he just says, "Keep the lights on, Thomas." And when the devil says that to you, it's like, oh. <laughs> I love how, in a weird, again, this the thing that gets me about this film, the thing I really like about it, which maybe says more about me than it does about the film, is that it is so perverse. The angels yes. themselves, yeah. there are these huge overtones of. Well, well, there are overtones, I guess, because the adults when they interact seeing the angels interacting with children yes. the adults are really freaked out because it is there are overtones of pedophilia there are overtones mm -hmm. of these really dark dark themes and then obviously autopsy scenes when angels themselves are aborted fetuses they are really strange elements to this film and i think it's quite daring for 95 well, just, even with the moments where they they sort of they, they well, can... I thought it was more daring for the eighties when I thought it was, set, but, <laughs> but you know well, what I mean. But I but no, I completely agree. I do I do sort of I agree with the fact that when angels in the way that they're depicted in the movie experience the world because it's mm. literally by two senses. One yeah. is smell, one is the, by by taste. So you you see these very weird interactions with the environment, and there's a there's a really cool moment when Adam Goldberg is transporting Christopher Walken's character and he says I can't see anything you know I can't see anything and there's also strange moments when Amanda Plummer is being revived to be a pet and she immediately knows it's not like a, there's a stranger there sitting mm. in my hospital room I'm dying I already start to lament I already start to cry and they start to experience that even as, as a character experiencing another character 
in a very strange way. Mm. And it sort of opens your mind up to it. And again, I, I, I do agree. I would, I would, They're very I would, inhuman. Yes. And that's that's how powerful this movie is. I wouldn't necessarily say it's pedophilic. No, no, no. Forgive me. But I mean, the way that as an adult human being, yes. the way you are viewing it. Mm. Yes. Like when, so for instance, when the Mary's, kids... Mary's on Simon's lap in the in the school, for example, and yeah. she's he's feeding her the coke and then they... It's, I guess it's, very, to, to it's share, a very romantic... The, the way the to... scenes are set is actually very romantic. So the way that the characters are sitting is a very... If, if it was an adult woman and an adult man... The, the, it's a comic book set it's a sorry it's a sitcom setting you walk in and the the behavioral clues are that it's a romance when there are a lot of children surrounding christopher walken and he's you know plying them with sweets and pulling them onto his laps and and the teacher is responding to it like this, yeah. this child is sitting on his lap and she specifically says it the, the girl was sitting on his lap yeah he was holding her in his lap and that so the we read it as Peter Filia is what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. So it makes it feel very inhuman and very, very creepy. And very invasive. Mm, very yes. sort of, you know, sort of in in your face kind of in terms of how these aren't cherubs. These mm. aren't soft touch, you know, I will guide you through life and I'll protect you. These are these are characters that are actually quite violent and, and has the potential for violence. No, I mean, you absolutely pick it up very, very well. And I, and again, but for, for a horror, this is why I think it's horror. Yeah. Not fantasy thriller. I'd, I'd say it's more on the horror vibe. Yeah, and, it, and it's, it's very well done. <laughs> Helen's laughing. But wait, just forget. <laughs> I want to go back to Helen in it's a second. It's certainly fantastic. You said about they can only taste and smell. Yes, but there's that That's point. The resource, as a primary. But when Christopher Walken goes into the hospital, where yeah. he picks up Amanda Plummer, he picks up their charts. Yes, and and reads them and says, "And so he d- he does." But the, the the preamble to that is that he goes straight in and he sniffs. Yeah, and he's like, I can, I can smell sense. it. I can yes. smell the stuff. And yeah. then he looks at the charts, and and again, that was that was the Act Three gradient. So if you can imagine, you know, sort of having to establish the characters as something that's quite sort of serious and and, and imposing and, and intimidating, he's having comedic elements closer to the end. If you can imagine in the same way, Terminator Two, my favorite film, by the way, you can see the Terminators being quite sort of very compartmentalized to what their characters are cold heartless directed mm-hmm. if you were to watch act one of terminator 2 and then go into act four both of them have started developing sense of humors because they've captured the audience they mm. want to then sort of further the identification and i think with what christopher walken starts to do he starts to swagger he starts to get his, his placement he's on earth now and he's trying to you know make his mark but he needed that ability to he needed he needed the audience to connect with him in some way and now he's just holding the humor to it he can't get darker but also, um, by then, he knows what he's looking for. Exactly. So he's cocky. Yeah. Yes, as as angels do. So no, it was it was it's really pride cometh before the fall. Yeah. 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 And can and can we just pull up the um, and I also think the poster for this movie is probably not represented. There's, there's that a way. few different posters for this there movie. There is, and I think the one that's on Netflix isn't the best one. So we've got a screen in front of us, and it's this one here. And the tagline is just amazing because, again, talk about that Native American X-Files feel. Yeah. Like, you know, Anasazi was an amazing X-Files episode. This one here, the tagline is, on ancient ground at the end of the world, sorry, an ancient ground at the edge of the world, an evil is born in heaven about to be unleashed on Earth. And it's just, it's just the kind of horror film you want not to be gored out and whatever but just creeped out by the fact that it is potentially something bigger that's really that might go after you while you're sitting chilling <laughs> sitting watching chilling. Netflix. Yeah. it's very cool <laughs> <laughs> i've seen helen's been absorbing the conversation through i haven't got a sense of how you feel about the film you're there oh it's a bit naff <laughs> <laughs> You see that dent at the top of your lip? Yeah. yeah. I mean, a long time ago. Don't understand. You were born, that. I said, shh. Yeah. I mean, Christopher Walker, as I said before, is pretty entertaining. And, you know, he does carry it throughout the whole way through. It has that really weird mixture where Christopher Walken is kind of playing it tongue in cheek and gets some humorous lines. And it kind of becomes a little bit funny towards the end. I mean, the scenes in the one where he's checking the mouths for the soul is quite funny. Yeah. Yeah. But then it's played so po-faced and straight and so weirdly by everyone else that it's like, well, it could have all been done a little bit tongue in cheek and had a little bit of fun. But it's a mixture of being taking itself so, so seriously in bits and then being a little bit funny that it's 
it's just it not what really genre it wanted well. to be. No. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I looked at it and I just went, when he's doing those scenes, they must have been, for an actor, yeah. massively uncomfortable. I don't care how method you are, and you'd like to think that you weren't that method that you look in. So even in the way that when the, the soul transfers from Simon to Simon's Mary. mouth, yeah. yeah, you know, he's he's not seen as being evil. It's just almost like, you know, I sort of likened it to the to the sort of the natural process of breastfeeding. It, it you know, what? Hang a second. Let me let me let me justify. This. Sorry, but what? No, no. Do you mean the bit where he snogs a corpse? No. Well, no, no, no. You know, well, what? he snogs a corpse. So, Simon... but then also he he, he snogs the child. Mary. We can slightly pervert this and pollute this by saying well, he's snogging. He's not. There's kind of a transference that happens, which is when one soul goes to the other, it has to go through the mouth, and. I likened it to the fact that, yes, you know, you what natural process happens that people can say, well, that's a bit taboo, that's a bit whatever. And that's why I use the example of breastfeeding. But on the flip side, when you've got this happening between an angel and a host, and that's what she essentially is. They, yeah. you know, I, that's why I don't think that Christopher Walken's character, Gabriel, looks at kids as children. He looks at them as hosts. No, absolutely. And so when there's a transference happening between a dead body and the angel, or a child and the angel, it's just, that's the sort of the that's what has to happen which is why i think it's very impressive for the actors to be able to commit to something like that because i do think that it's it was a very bold film to make it work in the creepy way that it does which is why it's not a fantasy thriller it's definitely horror i would really like to see it as a tv show with much more i i like the creepy element i think i'm just creepy <laughs> and i i would like a lot more of the creeptastic the elements I, I want it to be like one of those awful Channel 5, 1am. What was that terrible one that Michael Fassbender was in with the lesbian ghost? That was great, really perverse, where he was an angel came down to like, or a demon or something, but something really creepy and yeah. strange and possibly set in a boarding school. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just, I think this would work really well if it ramped up the creeptastic elements and was a TV show. No, I agree. And I think that if, you know, Preacher had been half of this, then it would have it would have it would have attached on to what the story originally was. So is Preacher finished now? Is that? Um, you know what? I don't know. I I think it, it went through this weird transition of being funded because because Netflix does have the best original series, yeah, hands down. Whereas Preacher was sort of developed from Garth Ennis's story. It went through you know sort of studio executives' fingers and you know sort of mixed and matched and whatever. And I remember watching it and going, "That's all right, not bad. <laughs> yeah, it's great." When you read the books. By the, it's a it's a nine I'm sure it's a nine series graphic novel uh, uh, sort of collection. By the by the end of book one, I'm like, right, that's it. I can't I can't go to work tomorrow. <laughs> I can't possibly. I just need to call in sick and just do it. And and that's what it lacked in the TV series because I remember watching the first couple of episodes and thinking the way that it's trailered, it's very good. Dominic's very good in it. The, there was a bit of creative casting for a few characters which. I don't know if it worked or not because I didn't see the series through. But when I, I started watching Prophecy, even though there was a mix and match of a little bit of the, the, the narrative and the, the acts because it wasn't particularly fluid, which is the only detriment you can have to the story, I thought that... It's quite a major detriment, to be fair. Really? The, if, so? if you don't understand the story, then how you can't you appreciate watch it though. Because it, honestly, it goes all the way up to really good points all the way to the end, including Viggo Mortensen as well. So it's not just saying, right, well, Cookie Cutter, Act 1 is the introduction of characters, Act 2 is... I do you mean story. within yeah. the film, within the series of films? No, I mean within the film. So we're talking about, we're talking about prophecy now, not preaching. Yes, no, exactly. But I, I think if there are elements of the story that are not clear and and these huge mishmashes and kind of some setups for some of the characters, then that is a detriment. And a lot of people who watch the prophecy do find it incredibly confusing. I was one of them. I, yeah, but then I was... I was in and out of attention yeah. which we'll come to but i wasn't entirely sure why they were all doing it yeah <laughs> what was going on. i mean i got the idea that there's a soul being transferred and yeah. all of that business but there was a lot of have you have you seen this before no no, no i've seen this before no but I, I give complete credit to that that's where the failing is because if it if it had a build-up saying ermager we have to make sure and that a you know very heavy edit in some places would you mean pace, pace oh right okay okay sorry so you mean the pace so yeah, I, I I completely agree with what Helen's saying is that if you've got a much clearer what's the risk, where are we going with this? That's the risk, and and progressing with that kind of story story arc, absolutely. This is where the movie doesn't work. But 
that's what I'm saying is the only strong element to this movie in the way that it's presented outside of the, the, the narrative is how angels operate and how they affect people on earth and how you can have like a, you know, a second war in heaven. And that's, that's, that's why I chose the film because I think that's great. So yeah, fair enough. Shall we? Shall we get some uh, scores? But before we, uh, before get we some get some scores, scores, it's popcorn time. Popcorn time. Yeah. Who doesn't love a bit of popcorn so these when guys, they're at the cinema? Or so this home? is these are popcorn. This is popcorn from the popcorn shed, guys. Hmm. <laughs> Crunch away, guys. Crunch away. So which one is this? Which flavour is this? This is salted caramel. So let's have a quick sort of preference. Who prefers salted? Generally, mate. See, that's the thing. I, I don't, but I do like this. And, and who prefers sweet? I'm always a, a sweet guy. You're See, sweet. I do, but I've not tasted the sweet yet. This is, this is sweet. This, this is, is caramel. Salted, salted caramel. Salted caramel. Salted caramel. Yeah. I'm talking it? about savoury popcorn versus sweet oh, popcorn, okay. just in general. In general. Ah, so we don't have a second variety available just, N- no. just yet. Okay. Yeah. No, this is delicious. This is really, really nice. And this is popcorn shed. Yeah. Mm. So available at a stockist near you. <laughs> I hope With a so. really cute box. Yeah. Actually, yeah, the, the packaging is amazing. Like packaging is lovely. Yeah. Popcorn yeah. shed, little shed, little shed, little wooden shed. This is Joe. Sorry, Salmon, Salmon Laura made this. Who's Salmon Laura? These are these are these are guys behind Popcorn Shed. And well, popcorn's had a bit of a revival recently because mm. it's kind of seen as the good for you snacks. Obviously, it's gluten free and yeah. uh, it's delicious, which is is bad because I've recovered from a popcorn addiction. Which I now feel <laughs> that I've come off the wagon and my teeth may suffer for it. The benefit of the show, though. Both it's okay, exactly. There's some really redemption good. here. Come on, dig in. Mm. No, it's, it's, it's delicious, actually. Um, have you got any more of these? Yeah, it's a big bowl right in front of your face. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it is good. It is very, very sweet, though. I mean, I think I prefer salty. Yeah, as a salty popcorn like girl, in I like salted this. with that. So if you yeah. have a mix of salty and sweet. Oh, now we're talking. <laughs> well that's delicious so I, yep. I, everyone now popcorn shed buy it apparently it's made it, from a secret it. family recipe as well I'm not sure the what the itself. secret secret ingredient is but I think does it say it's made it's made from Belgium is it Belgian, Belgian yeah. chocolate Belgian chocolate so Belgian milk chocolate so salted caramel popcorn with Belgian milk chocolate and it's all tasty it's delicious mm. Let's go to the scores. So the first stop on our unique scoring system is the recommendability. So we will start with you, Adam, seeing as it was your choice. These are out of five and you can add, add a point here and there or if you want to round round your scores off. Okay. Well, I think for recommendability, I would actually give it a four. Because you, you strong, will, strong start there. It is because I think that you will find some people that you just wouldn't recommend it to. And you'd say, you know what, if you like this kind of stuff, great. But if not, it's going to don't have a bad, you know, viewing experience because it does take a little bit of dedication and watching it through because you aren't following a very traditional way that movies are presented. So out of four, I, I, sorry, out of five, I'd give it a four. Michelle? I'm gonna say three because but with caveats because again i agree entirely i think there's a lot of people i wouldn't recommend it to i think that if you are if you if if you're kind of a classic film fan i think then this could be up your alley because it's got those elements of genre it's got those elements of creepy stuff and it's it's quite slow so it's certainly not a i've got a couple of hours and i want to watch a high impact high octane thriller or just scare myself but if you are kind of awake at midnight and really want to watch something kind of weird and feels quite 80s <laughs> i think that's great. very good very, that's, that's the bill kind of so 80s kind of weird kind of 80s if kind you of have weird. insomnia if you <laughs> oh well and you're scared of the dark yes <laughs> no perfect i, I think, mean this in a good way what are you thinking absolutely. 80s were you thinking like if lost boys but with a bit more of an edge don't, to it. Don't even, don't say you it, dare it. insult Lost Boys. <laughs> no, Lost to... Boys. No, 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 but no, I know what he's saying. No, though. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get how, why you thought this might be an 80s film. It's because... a combination of the terrible, yeah, it looks really, it hasn't aged well. 
but it's interesting but it hasn't aged well yeah and the I mean, soundtrack yeah. is so 80s also fiction. i mean after the 70s initial horror wave 80s mm. were the genre you know choice a majority of films that are cited as being pinpoint horror films were all made pretty much in the 80s okay. that was when and the soundtrack they became really blockbusters as well when they were actually bankable okay and this is and this is the gold of miramax you know, because they make, you know, Harvey Weinstein made a, a bunch of movies like this. Boondock Saints and, you know, Pulp Fiction, and they ran the 90s, essentially, in terms of how the genre was created. I believe so. I, I agree. I, can, I think you've hit on some good points. Helen, recommendability. Um, I'm going to give it a two. I'm going to recommend this specifically to our teammate, Gareth. If you haven't seen it, Gareth, please, can you see it? Or if you've seen it, can Watch you it, let Gareth. me know what you've thought? And also, I'd recommend this for anyone who'd like to see what Elias Katias looks like with hair. Yes. Or it's it's people who don't know game changer. Yeah. I'm, and Vigo fans. That's because... unacceptable, by the way. If you don't know who he is, then find him. Well, it's quite it's quite interesting because I I've loved, as a kid, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was, of course, one of the, my favourite films. But it's one of those films where you just don't know any of the actors or actresses in it. Which is kind of strange. So that Elias Katias was one of the main characters. Casey Jones is a fucking. Have you had your mind blown? Mentalist. I, I'm no, genuinely... I have, have a bit. Fallen. No. He he makes the movie and he's in it for the first five minutes. Right. It's John Goodman, Denzel, and he is incredible. And he is such an incredible actor that you know, in the same way that Bill Paxton is an incredible actor. Mm. You know, bless him. Oh, that you know, him passing away affected me actually quite personally. It was one. It's, it's he's the kind of actor that just nails it, and then they go away. There's no celebrity bravado. Yeah. So Elias Katias, absolutely. But my point with Elias Katias is that now I know who he is, even though I've seen some of the films he's been in. It does. It still doesn't. I, I think it just depends him, on actors think, you kind of like. I mean, the... I think of people like like Pete Postles. Pete Postles. Wait, how do you say his name? Pete Postles. Yeah. And like Very good. and Paul Giamatti, for example. When yes. when you when you when you start to recognize them in films yes and then you go back to films you go back and remember them in, in other films that you oh that was that was paul giamatti in that film yeah but alaska tears he doesn't stand down yes yeah it doesn't pop into he my looks head very different and those kinds of character actors when they become when they become a good a name or face you kind of revere them for those roles but i just can't really buy into him mm. well before i before you go on to your your sort of scoring yeah giovanni Rabisi. yeah do you know the name? Absolutely. Do you know the, the face? Yes. Yeah. Then very cool. Yeah. Because he's another one that I feel sort of gets lost every so often because of he's not a... Oh, is, I, think he's, I think he's a fantastic actor. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like Elias Cotillas so much that when he plays a bad guy, it actually makes me sad. Oh, no. Oh, I, I'm, just, I'm irrationally frightened of Kevin Bacon. Because I can't think of a single <laughs> thing I've filmed. Have you seen the E adverts? Everyone's irrationally frightened of <laughs> I thought you said I thought you, I was thought you were thinking of Kevin. I was thinking of Kevin Costner when you said that. Then I was going him to too. Hidden figures. I watched. I, I watched Flashdance, and I was. Was it Flash? No, it's not Flashdance. Is in Footloose. Footloose. Footloose is, uh, I watched Bacon, Footloose yeah. for the first time as like as an adult, and I was I was waiting for him to turn into the bad guy. I'm going to give it a two for maybe even more. To, I'm leaning more towards like a one and a half. But I'll keep it as, as a two. I think it's there will be people who are horror kind of completists, and I do like the people in it so i'd recommend people even like say that like adam gold adam goldberg's another character actor where yes mm. every time when i now i know who he is want to realize who he is when he pops back into something i'm like hey adam, adam goldberg's here yeah and that's basically just from his one appearance in in days of confused basically mm. and everything i've seen him in yeah. since and before then i'm like awesome so i like it recommend it for the people who are in it because i think it's a yes, good starting good. point for a lot of the people in there and apart from chris walken who's obviously been in a lot of things beforehand Repeat viewing score, guys. Adam. How many times have you seen it, start of interest? Do you That's, know? Um, it's a very good question. I think I've probably seen it about, since watching it first time. Sorry, I'm just enjoying this popcorn here. Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> it is delicious. I think I've probably seen it full, since 1995, about six times. It's not the kind of movie that you can watch over again and again. However, <laughs> it's... But. <laughs> but I thought, you know, ironically, when Simon introduced it to me, Simon Williams... We started working on kind of a, a little sort of fan fiction thing, which was taking the, the the narrative of the angels and what you could do with it, and kind of applying it in a sort of in, in a similar fashion to a story that you know I think Simon wanted to call this idea, which again we should sort of say you know it's being heard right now. First, I wanted to call it Heaven Soldier. He wanted to call it you know Hell to Pay. I think that's shit. Um, <laughs> it wasn't going to work. 
but but no i mean i think i think repeat viewing you should save it i don't think you can watch it and then watch it again i think at least it, it, it at least merits two viewings okay so how does that translate into our patented score three out of five Michelle. Um, I, I'm gonna say one out of five for repeatability. You've already seen it twice. So. I have, but this is the thing. I will say that the first time I was only in it for Vigo, and I watched it. I skipped it a bit, and I will say that this time, having watched it through, I definitely understood it a lot more. So I'd say maybe watch it once, but once more. Yeah, but having so like, so watch it twice. Yes, that's what exactly <laughs> exactly what I was trying to get at. But definitely, you can easily leave a good five years or so between them and it, it doesn't it doesn't hurt your love for it agreed <laughs> I, i'm just trying to because obviously i don't want to try and be too harsh on films that i've slated a lot harder <laughs> but i don't need to see it again zero why <laughs> well i don't know i d- i didn't really enjoy it particularly i mean which is good enough yeah but is it because you didn't enjoy it or didn't understand it what what it was kind of the, the, the sort of the, the world it was trying to create i don't really know it knows what world it was trying to create i think it had an idea of what it did but whether it kind of fell short in not being able to coherently put that across or suffering from a poor special effects for its time i don't think it was poor for its it time. was it really? absolutely was i thought it was like early yeah, 80s i thought it was like 85 maybe i was surprised to actually go Oh, it's actually actually 95. Oh, I quite like the feel of it. Oh, but I mean, that's just, you know. Unless, that, you know, unless it was James trying Cameron, to go well, for James, that. If you're listening. You've got your score. You've got your score here. At the moment, you've got four and three. Let Helen have a, <laughs> <laughs> Helen have a zero. <laughs> I mean, I, I can think of other films about angels that I would rather watch as as a comparison and other other films about kind of like, you know, demons or Christopher Walken in a horror role that I would, I would watch again or ones that I haven't mm. seen before as a as a sort of reference. I'm going to give it one. I'm going to say ne- never say never. Uh, but, <laughs> which, is a, which is a good philosophy. And it'd be interesting if some, someone gave me more... In- it was good that you gave me more insight into the film. And, you know, I can imagine someone else giving a bit more insight as to how it was built and how it was put together and stuff like that, which might make me think, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it again. But I can't foresee when that'll happen mm-hmm. uh it won't be anytime soon but yeah. and i was well we'll talk about engagement store score shortly a <laughs> uh, small screen score i you know what i don't think i really would have liked to watch this movie in a theater yeah i don't think it's a big screen experience at all i think it's actually quite you you, you know you could you could take your, your partner to it to the to the movies and watch it as you know fancy thriller and end up being like a horror movie i think for a first time big screen watch it would have failed for a small screen, absolutely. I think it works very well. I wouldn't watch it on a phone because I never watch anything on a phone. I'd, you know, watch it maybe on an iPad. But I think it needs it needs the lights out in a personal setting. Right. And so I think that, you know, again, and probably another three. Okay. Another three. I thought you were going for a high score then for the small screen uh, the way you yeah. built it up there. Yeah. Michelle? I don't know how to score this because I don't think I understand. <laughs> so... <laughs> No, I'm, I'm going to go for a four, actually, because I agree with all of that. I think it'd be kind of naff in a larger setting because you could see how bad the effects are, whereas bad effects on TV are totally cool. Um, <laughs> but this this for me is very much... You remember when you're a kid and you stay up too late and you've watched Friends and Frasier and Red Dwarf and Euro Trash and you still want to stay up a little bit. Friday night oh combination. This dates me That's so a, much. No, this dates me so much. And then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then your mum doesn't realise you're still awake. So you switch to Channel 4 or Channel 5 when it first came on. And this it would definitely be on Channel 5. Terrible, yeah, yeah. That, every week. terrible <laughs> horror films at like one in the morning. This is that and that's why i think i like it it feels like that it is just that's a that. very lovely way of saying it so in a weird way it's nostalgic for it's you. hugely yeah. nostalgic yeah, yeah yeah it is channel five vintage naff horror but in a after 1 a.m after one right. yeah watch yeah. it after 1 a.m yeah. when you're yeah. when you've disgusted yourself with euro trash <laughs> <laughs> need to calm down a yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. from the weird ping pong lady <laughs> <laughs> there's all lola ferrari was the one for me that scared, scared the shit out of me yeah, yeah, yeah. okay helen a, a three. I mean, God, don't watch it on anything really big. No, <laughs> no. I mean, for circumstances that I had to actually listen to this through headphones. And I'm just like thinking now that for kind of 
a horror film or anything like that. The I can't really recall the soundtrack being particularly remarkable it's or awful. interesting. It's terrible. It's just like yeah. strings cutting one scene to another. Which I think a lot of uh, horror films, that's one thing they do is create atmosphere mm. and tension and everything by purely the use of sound and I think that's one of the best tools that a horror film can have and I would have had expected having like the headphones on to enhance be, it yeah or to even if I wasn't exactly thoroughly engaged the score would like lift me up as oh something's going to be happening now or build up the tension but I can't I can't really recall that so I, th I think that's a bit of a shame but yeah it it works it works on Netflix. Uh, I think one thing that Netflix does do quite well is you've got this huge library of very obscure horror films mm. that you may have only watched on VHS or managed to watch around at a friend's before Netflix existed. And it does give you quite a good chance to revisit those moments. Like the Bitter End guys was yeah. what they, you know, that kind of thing was definitely there. So I think it works well if, you know, you maybe remember seeing it briefly, then you want to revisit it, then it's good that it's on Netflix for you. And I'm going to give it a four. I think if I, yeah, if I saw this in a cinema, I'd be gutted. Spend <laughs> um, 12 pounds on it. Yeah, spend oh. 12 pounds and get to 15 cinema. with your popcorn. Back in 1995, there was like three. Yeah, true. So, That's true. But engagement score? I think I'm living proof, kind of. I mean, to be fair, if I was going to... I think would you become interested in the material? And in, I'm not saying that this sort of will spawn some kind of cult following or whatever, but I have, I was in Salem, Massachusetts a few years ago with a very good friend of mine. And I saw on the wall of this thrift shop, a, a painting of Christopher Walken as his character, Archangel Gabriel. And I thought, my God, you know, someone else likes this. <laughs> someone else must have seen it and put in the artwork. But I mean, I think, I think once you get started into it, the engagement is based on your mood and, and you know, sort of, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I would, I, I'd go literally sort of two to three because unless you love it, it's not going to. It's going to keep you in there. Yes, exactly. So what do you want? I think, to hell, I think, hell, I, I think we're going to go with, if you love it, we'll go with five, but I think the average one will go with three. But we, this should be for your engagement, really. My engagement, I mean, when I first saw it, it did take two viewings. So I will say, okay, so I'll give it, I'll give it a three because it did take me a while to watch the full movie. Once I got a grasp on what the angels were and yeah. how they presented, I just loved it. But it was an idea. It wasn't watching the whole film. I'm going to go two. And yeah, same for me, actually. I liked it a lot better second time round. I did. I will admit that. But again, I would give it five years between. <laughs> <laughs> now stop it because you've watched it's very it. very specific. I, I, no, but I like it. And it, it. But I don't know why. <laughs> and and I think it is that it is it's the worth idea a repeat of it. viewing. It yeah, I'm gonna, maybe I'm poker face you all the way into this. No, it, would you watch it three times? Just to figure it out? Yeah, in like ten years. Oh no, I figured it out. Oh yeah, it's, it's not going to be on now. Netflix in ten years. <laughs> <laughs> set a reminder for set this reminder. time in five years' time, and then you watch it again, and then that's let all right. Us know. I'll yeah, okay. Yeah, I will. How you I'll feel from there? See you in five years. Yeah, exactly. For can we do twenty two? Yeah, 2022, we'll do The Prophecy and The Prophecy 2. No, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> Helen? I'm, I'm going to give it a two. It gets a lot better when Christopher Walken's in it. Eric Stoltz, he's a terrible actor. He. He's, oh, shit! He's, you didn't just say that. Really? He's awful. He's got <laughs> no he's... charisma. He's got no screen presence. Have you, seen, have you seen the small clips of him playing Martin McFly? Now, hang on a second. Before Wait, we what? go into anything back to the future. Okay. Okay. Go on. I haven't. No. Should I? Will this change my opinion of? No. no. Just, the the tone of the, the tone of those clips are because he treated it very seriously. Yeah. Yeah. He he thought he was this troubled kid who actually got to go back in time. He was questioning the fact why you know a young boy would have would be friends with an older scientist. You know. I mean that because it's cool. Maybe it's maybe it's yeah. not because it's the a genre. Maybe it's just him. Maybe it's making I mean, me. He, you know, think... he was in The Fly Two. He was in Pulp Fiction. You know, prophecy, obviously, but yeah, just, you know, Eric Stoltz, I think is... I forgot, yeah, he was in Pulp Fiction, so that's another Pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, hang on a second, Christopher Walken, Plummer. Eric Stoltz, and Amanda Plummer, yeah. Yeah. all in Pulp Fiction, produced by Miramax, yeah. said this earlier, 
And it was actually around the same time, but because the way that Miramax... They were probably the contracted into yeah. both of them. Oh, absolutely, You're in this yeah. really cool film. You be have to be one. in this oh, other yeah, one. Yeah, they got like a five movie deal, deal. thing on them, yeah. yeah. Eric Stoltz could have been Captain America, you never know. Oh my Just God. Kidding. Stop Just it. Kidding. Oh God. <laughs> Just had so, like a really horrible yeah. thing on his side. There's a bit of bile there on the table now. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Eric, not a fan of your work. Where was I? Engagement. Two, you said. Yeah, I mean... The best bits are anything with Christopher Walken in it and Vigo. I yeah. really should mm. stop calling him just I just like calling Vigo. It's I know, I name. did the same. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. Pronounce Mortensen. Yeah, Mortensen. what's his first? I thought it's his Mortensen. First name. Vigo. Vigo Mortensen. Is that his actual name? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought that was one of his character's name. Oh, no. no, no, no. His, no he's his character's not, name. He's not Satan. the devil. No, no. It's <laughs> Aragorn, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's what I forgot what his name Aragorn Mortensen. He's just got so many names. Maybe that's acting. I'm going to give it 1.5. I just wasn't fussed. And it took Adam to tell me what the story was. And like yourself, I, cause I, I saw Viggo Mortensen's name in there at the start, in the, in the title scroll at the start. Were you waiting for him to appear? Yeah, I was kind of waiting for him to appear. I it forgot that he was meant to be in it. And then when yeah. he appeared... It's it the Luke was... Skywalker moment of Force Awakens. It's yeah. just, you know, <laughs> it's I just not... want this film, but just Viggo. Like, well, I, no, hang on a second. No, I disagree. Because... I just want him in every scene, just lurking in the background, peeking over bushes. That weird, that weird. I didn't like that weird kind of perks that all the angels did. It kind oh, of you know, me out. oh, Kobe. Oh, Get the weird out. little angel, the weird uh, angel perch, yeah. um, bird no, perch. I, yeah. No, no. It, it, what, it, I'm glad you. I'll never out. look at Hawkeye the wrong same way again. Hawkeye. Any character perching on a ledge, I'm just going to think. Oh, I wow. thought it was. I thought it was incredible physical. Not an acting because anyone can perch, kind of. Um, <laughs> but it, it just it just created the strangeness of the character. They weren't human, even yeah. though they looked human, they weren't. And I thought that that was really. I thought it was really cool. And again, even with the with the setup, with the fact that their eyes are black and that they don't have the same physiology as humans, I liked the fact that every time there was a perch, and we saw three characters do that. Well, kind of. Lucifer sort of was a was was an exception, but he even, turned it into birds, though. He did. But do you remember the character at the very beginning? The one I don't, you know, Azazel or um, Uziel. Uziel, yeah. very good. Yes, thank you. Not worth a repeat viewing at all. <laughs> I'm <laughs> good know, with character names. Actor names good. terrible. He did this. He, you know, that was that was exemplified by the fact that they were perching on really awkward things like Spots. the back of a chair, yeah, yeah, or a corner table, or, or you know, even a sign. I thought that was very physically attractive. I think it drew me into like what's going on with this. Game. Yeah, it did look quite. I mean, when. Chris Walken meets Adam Goldberg, his pet, for the first time. Yes. And he's there, puts on the on the edge of the chair. Yes. But actually, I was quite, I was, I was kind of more interested in, how did they do that? Yeah. <laughs> but again, they're otherworldly. And they've, yeah. they've had to sort of amalgamate that with this very strange character. No, it was very cool. So mm. that's my take on it. I liked their angelic manicures as well. The black nails. The creepy, silvery yeah. nails. Did not pick that up. Yeah. And was Chris Walken in leather trousers? Yes, he was. Because all I could think the whole way through is, is he this where really Joss hot. Whedon got his whole bad guys need to wear lots of leather so this could be this ties into Buffy grand, a bit grand well, design it? Yes, it does. there is that well that's exactly what grand i was thinking designs. Grand yeah, designs. Kevin McLeod made, wears leather trousers i've never seen time. that and he <laughs> is an evil angel slash evil vampire angel, is that what we're yeah. saying yep <laughs> see, see so can we change some scores here <laughs> so our final score is 2.4 which i think is a fair i think that's a flare reflection on flare, that one a flare yeah. reflection flare reflection i don't uh, know i'd, I'd give this Ironically, it's about a three out of five. Right your now. your score is three point two five, yeah. So I think that's that's fair. But overall, overall, Flixwatch the crew score is two point four, which is I think on Flix on Netflix it is actually about two, two and stars, a half. Yeah, yeah. I think so. so yeah. I think that that's, that's very fair. That's yeah. very fair. But if you love this kind of stuff, get it in you. Yeah. So should we <laughs> should we sound off, guys? Who are you guys, and where can we find you? And the Twitters, if you're on if you're on the Twitter. The Twitter, what's that? No one should be able to find me. I'm a ghost. No, I'm I'm on Twitter. I'm at Mr. Fancy Pants 2K. So <laughs> it's, it, it, it's true. I'm literally wearing flares. I'm not. And that's how people can find me. But um, yeah, I'll probably see you around if you attend events, red carpets, comic cons, award shows, things like that. Come by, say, say hello and high five. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. It's Shell A. Johnson, but Shell is a Michelle, which I always need to Basically, if someone could please think of a better Twitter name for me, I'd be really, really grateful because Michelle Johnson, the most common name in the world, you can't find a Twitter handle. So it's C-H-E-L-L-E-A Johnson. Shella Johnson. Yeah. Shella. So yeah, if anyone can think of something better, please tell me immediately because that'd be great. There's nothing wrong with that yeah, one. Yeah, it's fine by me. Cool. Yeah. yeah, it's just... Just yeah. own it. Just yeah, own it. it. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's half an hour, guys. Thanks for, thanks for your time. 
thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks and bye. Yeah, bye. Bye. Hey, hope you enjoyed that episode. Please do check, scroll down the list and find out all the show notes and click on the links to find our lovely, lovely people on their Facebook and the Twitter and their website because, you know, they'd love to hear from you and love to hear that you found them from listening to Flixwatcher. Massive thanks, as always, to GL Productions for their fantastic editing skills. Did you hear the pins drop? No, you didn't. That's how good they are. Thank you, the two T's, Toby, Tony, Greg and Jay. Of course, please big up Mighty People for the tunes you can hear now. And at the start of the podcast, please don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. Find us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and visit our website, FlixWatcher.tv. Thank you.